1: The
2: only way to get to heaven is to become a Christ follower before you die. And there's a big, huge part of that that we have to understand. The world is confused with that. Reincarnation, death is just death. I'm just in the ground. It's over with. Or I'll work myself into purgatory and I'll get myself up to heaven because people are going to be praying for me. No, sorry. None of those are right. They're 100% wrong.
0: Many people don't want to hear that kind of statement. They're convinced that there's got to be another way. There's got to be a way that I can do enough to satisfy God and convince Him I'm a good person. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that there's only one way to get to heaven. By submitting to God and receiving the solution He offers. As Pastor Mark will be teaching in this lesson, when we really embrace the idea of God's only solution we realize the danger every unsaved person is in. If they die without receiving Christ, they will spend eternity separated from God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. we will be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 4 with part one of his message, A Lifestyle That's Radically Different.
2: Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are Gentiles. He's writing to them. They're in the area of today we would call Turkey, and they're being persecuted by the unbelievers because they no longer worship their gods. They don't do their things, and they worship the one true God. So that's kind of where we pick it up. You see something that's very common that you're familiar with, B.C., Before Christ and A.D. I put that up there for one reason today. Because the title of the teaching is a lifestyle that's radically different. It's a lifestyle. We're going to study the lifestyles of a B.C. Before you were a Christian, what was your lifestyle like? And then after you became a Christian because of the death of Jesus Christ, what does your lifestyle look like today? So unbeliever, what's your lifestyle look like? And the believer... And realistically, it's supposed to be, and Peter will tell us, radically different. It's not just like, well, I've added salvation and everything's the same as it was before. No, it's radically different. So we begin, First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. That word therefore goes back to chapter three, where we saw that Jesus died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross for doing bad. He died on the cross for doing good. He never sinned ever. And he, when he died, he paid for the penalty of sin for all of mankind. So when we transferred into that relationship with God, we would live very different. Sin would no longer have a power over us. Yes, we as Christians still sin. But you remember when we studied the book of first John, as we mature, we never become sin less and follow me. But we learn to sin come on less. Exactly. So that's different. It's very different. Now, Peter challenges people to have that same mindset that Jesus had. It isn't it isn't really fair to suffer for doing good. What's going to happen to people? Good and bad. Verse two. As a result, they, these Christians, do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil desires, but rather for the will of God. What Peter's saying is, before you were a Christian, and of course we have some non-believers here, and we'll give you an opportunity to become a believer today. As an unbeliever, I did my will. I did life. Remember the song? I do it my way. That, that, hey, we got Christmas stuff coming. I had to sing for you. Okay. That, that's, that's the way it is. And we thought it was our will, but it really never was our will. It was Satan's will. And after a Christian, notice what he says. But now we do the will of God. If you want to know what the will of God is, you just read the Bible. That's the will of God. Now, All of us that have been believers know this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is that snapshot of before and after. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a believer, he is a new, notice, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Let's just wave goodbye to the old. Come on. Bye. The old is gone. And the new has arrived, it has come. So we stop, because we have a new mindset, we stop doing what pleases us, and we choose to do the will of God, which pleases him. That's a big difference. The old sinful lifestyle, now a new lifestyle that lasts for the rest of our lives. Now what does that lifestyle consist of? Well, it's a different attitude. It's a different motive for living. It has different habits in our lives than before. Uh, we think very differently now than we did before because we didn't think about God. We didn't think about heaven. We didn't think about any of that. And we have a different perspective. Unbelievers basically don't think about heaven. They think just about this earth. That's all they're focused on. So I'm giving you six keys today. They all start with live different. So here's the first one to write down. Live different, do the will of God. No longer do I do my thing. No longer do I run my own life. I now run my life according to God. He's the head of my life. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. Watch what Peter says about our old lifestyle. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans or unbelievers choose to do. Peter says to these people who have become Christians, your past, all your time was basically spent what you wanted to do. You chose that. God wasn't even in the picture. You spent enough time with that. That was wasted time. It never really accomplished much. And he lists for us kind of what their lifestyle was like of an unbeliever. Look at it. Living in debauchery, Lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Think about this. This was written 2,000 years ago. And you look at the list. Does that list from 2,000 years ago of what sinners do? Not all of them, but what sinners do. Does that look familiar to us today? How about if I mention the word South Beach. Any orgies going on in South Beach today? Did I lose you? South Beach is in Miami. It's a despot of sin. Hello? Do you remember? It's not the old people in the painted houses in the old days. This is young people. Nakedness, sex everywhere. How about if I mention the word Vegas? Well, how can that? This is 2,000 years ago. We're still doing the same sins. Should that surprise you? No, because if I go back to the time of Noah, which is thousands of years before this was written, why did God wipe out humanity? Same exact sins. See, that's what sinners do. They sin and they do it in a big way. So Peter says, look, you've been liberated Quit trying to go back to that lifestyle. Don't put your foot in there. I just have the one foot in the world, Pastor Just one foot, just one foot. He said, get your foot out of the world. Get it on the ground of Jesus Christ. You wasted that time. Come on, get it over with and come back to worship. Now, when you left your life of, not everybody did all those things, but you left your life of nothing really to do with God, and you changed, what happened to your former friends. What happened to family members that said, say what? You're kissing? Well, look what Peter did. This same thing happened to every person and those people in those days. Look at verse four. They, the former unbelievers, your friends, relatives, coworkers. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless while living. And they heap abuse on you. I like first Peter four, new living. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge. I love that into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you. We should not be surprised from our former unbelieving friends when they discover we're a totally different person and we live a changed life. Often this leads to persecution. And many of our old friends will say this. It's Friday night. You're at work. Hey, Balmer, join us. We're going out to the pub tonight. There's some good chicks there. We're getting a little junk. We don't care. We're not at work tomorrow. Come join us like we normally do. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I'm a Christian. I can't go. (laughs) Is that the way you respond? No. You say... Well, I'd love to join you, but realistically, I have a kind of a different lifestyle now. You know, I understand that. It was kind of fun, but you know, it was always a dead end. And then what do they say? Well, you think you're better than us? And pretty soon, that spreads all over the workplace, everywhere else. And here's what we discover. Very often, they distance themselves from us. Why? Because they're guilty. And they distance themselves. Now, what should I do with that? That's a hard thing. And I think you have to find balance in it. One time, you remember, as this works, Jesus spoke to a tax collector. His name was Matthew. Actually, his name was Levi. and He changed it to Matthew. He got right down off the tax booth and followed Jesus. The next thing we discover, he has a party at his house with all the old tax collectors. And Jesus went. Peter was outside watching. Jesus went in, and Peter's going... Whoa. And you know who else is watching? The Jewish leaders. What is he doing in there with sinners? I want you to write this down. This is the next key for us. Number two. We're to live different. But remember, Jesus was a friend of sinners. But he never took part in their sinful lifestyle. See, if I'm going to win the world... Here's one of the problems with most of us as Christians. When we are different and we become, we're never better. We just have a different lifestyle. We have different focuses, attitudes. But usually, if we're not careful, we lose all unbelievers, friends. Well, how are we going to win them to Christ if we lose them and we have no contact with them? So Jesus was our role model. He was around the sinners, but... He never partook. He didn't condemn them. He was there. I used to do this in my past. When I was a director of pharmacy, I had all these, this time of the year, Christmas parties and things like that. And the doctors there and, and my administrators and my bosses and all those people, they would invite Linda and I. We went and up, uh, we would just have a Coke or whatever and do whatever. We didn't sit over in the corner and go like, look at those people over there. You know, no, we, we just had a lot of fun, talked with the people. But we knew at a certain point in the night, early, we're out of there. Of course, it's going to get a little funky, and I'm not going to say anything. So we just learned to do it. So let me challenge you. Peter was trying to say to us, we have to live different, but we can't think that the world thinks we're better. We just need to be around them. That's why he writes the next verse. Notice, the unbeliever, if they don't come to Christ... Their outcome, where they spend eternity, is in hell, separated from God. We, we, we forget that. So look what Peter writes. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. What he's saying is this. Peter says he knew these unbelievers that he is writing to, he knew them as unbelievers and he shared the gospel with them and they became believers. But many of these people he knew had now died physically. Notice, they're dead. But they're in heaven. Their spirit was alive. By the time he wrote this letter, they had already physically died. But because he shared the gospel with them, They didn't spend eternity separated from God in hell, but with God alive in heaven. That's why we still have to share the word of God with unbelievers. Try to have some relationships with unbelievers because we are the salt and light there. Now, understand this. If you get this, it will help you to have a passion to share the lost. Here's what I want you to see. The only way to get to heaven is to become a Christ follower before you die. And there's a big, huge part of that that we have to understand. The world is confused with that. Reincarnation, death is just death. I'm just in the ground. It's over with. Or I'll work myself into purgatory and I'll get myself up to heaven because people are going to be praying for me. No, sorry. None of those are right. They're 100% wrong. And then Peter talks about it. Look at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. What Peter is saying is the end of all things is near. Now, there's lots of applications to that. I'll give you three. You'll see them in a moment. The first one could be this. The end of all things includes our death. So think about death. Where are you going to spend eternity when you die? Nobody here is going to email me this week and say, Pastor Mark, I don't believe I'm going to die. Yeah, right. Nobody is going to email me that because we're all going to die. Now, did you know that 6,775 people die every single day in the United States? 7,000 people. This is just the United States. They're going to die today. I actually read an article earlier this morning when I got up. Remember the crazy thing that happened in Las Vegas? All those people got shot and murdered. Well, a couple were there, and they escaped it. They were part of it. Bullets flying over their heads, and they got out. And just this last four or five days or whatever, this couple lived in another part of Nevada, and uh, she was home, and her husband was walking the road, and somebody hit him, killed him, and just drove off. See, See, they're thinking... Whoa, we got it. We're free. And days later, boom, gone. How about Egypt the last two days? More than 300 Muslims murdered by other Muslims because they're a different cult. Do you think any of them got up that morning as they went to church and went, oh, this is going to be a great day. This is my last day. None of them thought that. You see, you don't know. I don't know when I'm going to die. So that... Particular thing, the end of all things is near, should make us stop and think. Notice, be alert. You're going to die. Where are you going to spend eternity? Second is, of course, this phase really means the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know, this world is going to end. The world as we know it. Now, I'm giving every one of you a placard to go out of the streets. The end is coming. Everyone, Calvary Chapel of Melbourne. (laughs) Don't kid yourself. How stupid is that? Now, you have to grow a beard, by the way, to do that. (laughs) Ladies, same problem. Okay, now. (laughs) But is the second coming of Jesus coming? So there's three things that are going to happen to us. One of these will happen. Either you're going to die, or the rapture's coming, or the second coming of Jesus Christ. All of those are going to happen. Now I don't know what, which one I'll experience. Many of us, Paul and Peter and the New Testament people, they thought the coming, the second coming of Jesus, was imminent. It's going to happen any day. It's going to happen any day. I just read you James, the half brother of Jesus. Look, look what he writes. You too, James five. Be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Well, Pastor Mike, that was two thousand years ago. Why do we keep talking about the Lord's coming? Because he's coming. You see, here's the problem. God's timing is not our timing. When you get to heaven, there is no time. We're outside of time. This is great because you'll never be late for another church service in your life. (laughs) Praise God. That makes pastors so excited. Although we won't have church, we're just going to be around God all the time. Amen? Amen. Well, here you heard this verse. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. You see, God is timeless. But from man's viewpoint, Christ's coming seems like it's a long way off. Two thousand years, Pastor Mark, two thousand years. But from God's viewpoint, one day... Is very soon. See, his timing is different. I don't know when he's coming, but he is coming back. I don't know when I'll die, but unless there's the rapture, I'm gonna die and you are too. You don't know when, I don't know when, but it's coming. So, how should I live? Well, that's exactly what Peter was saying. To prepare his readers to meet the Lord soon, he says they have to use the best part of their time. Don't waste time, be alert. Remember, guaranteed, remember to be alert and be praying. Here's what I want you to like. Live different since the end is near. Be watchful, be understanding about that. Pray for our walk and for our witness. Because our neighbors, our friends, our relatives, they have the same three options we do. They're either going to die or they're going to be raptured. Or they're going to be here when the second coming comes. Now, the issue is where will they then spend eternity? So that's why we have to watch our walk. I don't want to be, like I said a minute ago, playing over here in sin, and then on the weekend I'm in church, everything's fine. I, I don't want to be in sin when the rapture comes. And God says, well, What are you doing? Well, I've been wasting my time in my old habits. No. I want to be ready, and I want to be ready to share that with my friends. Now, what can I do? One of those prayers would be for God to open doors to unbelievers. And as we get through the holiday times and Christmas, this is a great time to invite people to the Christmas services, to the Christmas Eve, as we start a new year. The church, for the first month, six weeks, eight weeks, is jammed. All churches, are just jammed. Everybody's getting for a new start. But then you come about March or April and they're gone off to it. see. There was never a real change inside. Now, as we pray, we know that God loves the world. That's why He sent Jesus for everybody. Then He talk, talks about how I'm to treat believers. Look at verse eight. Above all, love each other deeply. Now, this is very interesting because love covers a multitude of sins. Peter reminds us that loving other believers has to be a priority. And he mentions that love covers a multitude of sins.
0: Today, Pastor Mark reminded us that we absolutely cannot get to heaven on our own. As has been said before, good people don't go to heaven Only forgiven people do. We also learned that we need to be like Jesus and that he was a friend to sinners. We need to learn to love the lost just like Jesus did, being among them, not self-righteously, but being honest friends with them. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching us how radically different the Christian lifestyle is from the one we used to live before our salvation. We'll be reminded that there's only one way to heaven. In addition, we'll be taught the importance of understanding that according to the Bible, we don't have much time before this life will be ending. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Living Life with Living Hope. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Yeah.